Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, coming to you on Friday, Andy. It's the day after the NBA draft. The Lakers, to really nobody's surprise, did this. With the second pick in the 2017 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select Lonzo Ball from UCLA. And, of course, LeVar went out and shook Adam Silver's hand, uh, put on the hat, and did all that stuff. I'm not sure Lonzo was actually at the draft, Andy. I, I had tweeted out uh, at Cam Brothers, if the Lakers had had any sense of fun, they would have let LeVar call it into the league office. Just have LeVar call, call in. Just league office, LeVar, <laughs> undefeated, never lost. <laughs> league office. <laughs> Never lost. It was, it was like we were listening to Ramona, who was like on full, going full fire, you know, yes, talking to people facility. at the, we were at the practice facility, Andy and I were broadcasting uh, the after, you know, from, uh, after the draft was over and all that, um, and Ramona's working, and she, like, you, you, the opportunity to see her, and like, what did she say? She said, uh, she said, hey, she said, what do you got? Yo. What do you got? Yo, what do you got? She just I don't know who she was talking to. No idea. We, yo. We told what her do she, you got? she should just answer her phone during that period with go. Shelburne, just go. Just pick up the phone. Go. I don't even have time for what do you got. Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah, that, Momo, that, Momo yeah. was in Momo mode. Yeah, she was full, fully blossomed Momo. By the way, too, it was an absolute event in El Segundo. You know, they they brought in season ticket holders and uh, and other fans. They had the whole thing catered. They had a bar which unfortunately we could not indulge in because we were working. You didn't? Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Nobody wants me on the air sober. Oh. Very boring when I'm sober. I'm drunk now. This is so weak. I'm yeah. usually the drunk one. I know. This is outwardly. Um, yeah, it was it was a big event. The, uh, big cheers when Lonzo Lonzo's name was called and 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 all that stuff. And you know the this Luke Walton. Uh, this is actually on our air right after the draft. Stop by and this, talking about why they they draft him. No real surprises, but gives you an idea of what they love about him. You know, we also want the ball moving. We want to play an up tempo game, and that's what ball is a genius at. So uh, there, were, there was plenty of debates to be had. We wanted to get to know these these young men and who they were and what motivated them, uh, what drives them to be great. And once we did all the workouts and interviewed them and sat down with them, uh, you know, the the debates began with all that information. And, and Zoe was the guy we just, you know we decided was going to be best for us. All right, look, I mean, I think, Andy, at this point, we all know the, the, the positives and negatives. You know, if you're worried about Lonzo, he's not the most explosive athlete in the world, and the shot looks weird, and, you know, defensively, he's going to need a little work. But the flip side is he is, by all accounts, a transcendent ball mover, particularly in the open floor. He truly makes guys, uh, the, the belief is, makes everyone around him better um, and wants to be that guy. And uh, we'll get to this. Uh, in a little bit when we talk about where the Lakers are going from here, that kind of ethic not only fits into what the Lakers, how they want to play, but also what they're trying to do in terms of reconstructing the franchise. And so it becomes really poor. No surprise at all that this is what they did. No, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at the Golden State model, and that is what Luke Walton is trying to replicate as much as possible just in the way that they play, but also the the atmosphere and the culture – one of the more underrated parts uh, that isn't talked about as much with the Golden State Warrior offense, you know, for all the attention on how explosive they are putting up points, and that obviously is really impressive, is the amount of playmakers they have. 
They have so many different guys on that team who move the ball well and look to look to put their teammates in a position to find easier points. That's something that Lonzo Ball does extremely yep. well. But also, too, it can become contagious. I mean, when, when you start playing on a team where the ball is constantly moving and it becomes fun to have the ball move like that, and I can see you smiling <laughs> because the ball puns are just... They're just, I mean... This is going to be for Michael the, the Thompson. The single greatest day of Michael Thompson's life. Michael Thompson, who loves, just loves puns, the Lonzo Ball era is the greatest thing to ever happen to him. I'm including the birth of his children. I, I, I Well, I was going to say, with his time with the Lakers, this is the greatest thing to happen to him, and I'm including Showtime, which Michael was <laughs> a part won of, rings, he won right. two rings. Like, Michael was so excited about this, you would have thought that they drafted Lonzo Thompson. Like, I, like Michael may have been more excited about this than Lonzo or LeVar. Yeah, I'm just, like, you know in his head he's trying to figure out um, all the other kinds of, like, he's scouring the earth for players with, like, the last name Socket, <laughs> Chain, <Yes. laughs> the old ball and chain, you know, mm-hmm. all, I mean, just anything that he could, that he can, you know, can pair this with. Um, oh and, and, man, just balls in your court. I mean, oh, ball in court. Oh my God, if they can find a you know find a court, you know. So, but so I hopefully Michael, who has lived a fairly charmed life, yes. can find this one last thing to make it complete. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. So what were you saying before I started giggling at all the? Plus, there's a lot of ball jokes. Are funny. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. Just it can it can become really contagious, and I, and I think that's something that. <laughs> I'm 10 years old and thinking of all the ways I'm going to be able to say ball and balls and no, things like look, that on the radio and get away with it. Look, this, this, is, this is, for us locally, Booby Gibson. <laughs> Booby Gibson. Oh, can we, the, can we trade him? Booby Gibson. Ball, ball, ball and boobies. Yeah. I mean, it's probably worth bringing him back on a veteran minimum. I mean, he can't play. But doesn't it doesn't matter. They have all those extra roster spots now because you can send guys back and forth to the G League, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> just use it on one. Use one on yeah, him. I mean, but that was the only time on uh, terrestrial radio you could say boobies without having yep. to worry about the FCC. Oh, yeah, it's a shame that that kid from Michigan, Jake Butt, <laughs> mm. he doesn't play basketball too. Balls, God. booby, and butt. <laughs> Worst law firm ever. <laughs> They represent mostly porn stars. Oh, this is, I think, why people tune in to this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I, every time I pick it back up, you start laughing. So your turn, Brian. You you bring up a point. All right. <laughs> um, uh, let me scroll through what we got here. Um, it, I just I, the, the other stuff. I'll just move on. The other stuff that I thought was interesting. Uh, the, the, for all the talk of Lavar, uh, Luke acknowledged. You know, Lavar, the first thing Lavar says is, "Lonzo will lead the Lakers to the playoffs, undefeated, undefeated. never lost, never lost." <laughs> um, the part that the part that really got my attention, though, is when he predicted that Lonzo will win Best Actor next year. The, the I upcoming don't even, I don't even Awards. know if he's casted anything. You got to cast it, shoot it. You don't need to be cast. Yeah. He just win. He's just gonna win. Undefeated. Never, never lost. Never lost. <laughs> um, but like you know, just so will it to exist. It is the, the Nobel first, Prize. It is the first thing the guy says. And yes. of course, the, the dudes in Philly. You, know, you see Ben Simmons and you see Joel Embiid start you know kind of trolling and you. 
you know, Simmons tweeted something, and Embiid was like, you know, I hope somebody goes out and dunks and see if his his daddy comes out and 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 defends him and all that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, to be honest, real quick, yeah, I sort of hope that happens too. I mean, like Lavar Ball, Lavar Ball, you is actually the close, if Lavar actually came out on the floor. Well, Lavar is the closest that the NBA has had NBA has had to the WWE. Like, I mean, Lavar should really sit down with Adam Silver. And they should work out like three times during the season where Lavar is allowed to use a steel chair and just go ahead and go. Like the first time, the first time that Lonzo and De'Aaron Fox are matched up head to head, because that's going to be a big, big game. Oh yeah, Lakers it versus was like Sacramento. Last year, it like in summer league last year when right. Okafor and Russell went. Yeah, hey, right. Absolutely. Lavar should be allowed a steel chair. Like he should oh, be right. allowed a steel chair and then get kicked out of that game. Like, you know, everybody can be in on it. De'Aaron can be in on it. Like, you know, we're this close to the WWE as it is. And Adam Silver is a very progressive commissioner. I say we go for it. Another thing would make Michael Thompson happy. Yes, it would. <laughs> see what we can do here. Yes, it would. So there are two things about this, though, the, the, the playoff thing. First of all, if, if, if it happens to come true, LeVar Ball is not a, a, a person. He is a sorcerer. Yes. And he has magic powers and dark arts that the rest of us should be truly frightened of because, you know, he threaded the Le- Lonzo to L.A. thing, which was not easy to do. Um, Lonzo getting into the playoffs, that's sorcery. Um, so I'd be a little concerned there. Just something to keep an eye on. But also, you know, clearly he's putting a target on him. And and Luke even acknowledged that. Like, yeah, it does add some pressure. It's hard enough to be the number two pick be the point guard in L.A., ask Angela Russell. Um, and you have that combined with all this other stuff. It adds to it. Guys will want to stick it to Lonzo because his dad's running around telling everybody that they're going to the playoffs, he's better than Steph, and all this other stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, Lonzo's talked before about how he's used to, at this point, this type of scrutiny. And, you know, he's used to having this type of attention – and I, I think that he thinks he is used to it. But like a lot of things, you really have no idea what it is until you actually step into it. And Lonzo doesn't know yet what it is like to be this type of face for this type of franchise, especially for where the team is right now, where they may not be good enough to allow Lonzo to back up right, his dad's really, talk. Exactly. I mean, like, Lonzo could play brilliantly this year, and the team may still not have really... A, not a lot of finishers I mean, LeBron was really, really good his rookie year. That team didn't go to the playoffs. Kevin Durant was really, really good, mm-hmm. you know, his rookie year. He was really good his second year during Westbrook's rookie year, where Westbrook was really good, and that team was garbage. It's... The th- something that I think will help Lonzo. I think he's me. He's nineteen. He's gonna be inconsistent. It's it's a you know it's a tough position to learn. What I do think will help him, relative again to I think just using D'Angelo as a comparison. We'll get into this trade because you know, they they got you know Palinka talked about it last night. And there's a lot. By the way, Christmas game, two For those of you who remember when Andy did the Hallmark Christmas movie, he quizzed me on that. We got the second version yes. of that coming up later in the show. Hallmark released more films. Um, <laughs> they they crank they, them out. They over they, there. they released um, the slate. There more right. more movies on the slate. I played this earlier on Mike Up with Michael Thompson, who is a huge, huge Hallmark Christmas movies fan. This was like the most fun Michael Thompson has had during Mike Up in eons. Yeah, so people liked it the first time we did it, so we brought it back. Um, 
part of the problem with D'Angelo was what you were talking about in terms of guys. It was hard. It, it's hard. It was hard to rack up ten assists, twelve assists in a game because they didn't have guys who could finish. D'Angelo couldn't pass to himself. No, there's, a, the there's spot, a reason Julius Randle has had an easier time getting triple doubles than D'Angelo Russell. It is partially because Julius has grown into a very good playmaker, but it's also because Julius has the advantage of being pa- being able to pass to D'Angelo, right? Who can hit a shot. Lonzo, I think, is going to play in a way that fits more with what people kind of expected D'Angelo to look like. No question. He's going to get up and down the floor. He's going to he pushes the break. The one thing, and and I, as as a as a resident of Russell Island, one of the things that it was a legitimate criticism, tempo was not his strong suit in the open court. He was a good open court passer. Um, I keep talking about him like he's dead. <laughs> just traded. <laughs> he's still very much alive. Do we know, by the way, if Trudell is alive? I this don't. is a very difficult nobody's, game. For nobody's Mike seen Trudell. him. I mean, theoretically, he's in. New well, York. he was in he was, Brooklyn. He was in Brooklyn. I I hope he demanded a trade. I hope he demanded a trade to stay in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm staying. Like I, I well, really... no, he can't because he's as much as he loves D'Angelo. Trudell will tell you, he loves Zubats more. He's coming back for Zubats. It won't be the same. It won't be. It will not be the same. But, I, keep, uh, I keep picturing Trudell like on Russell Island because he, you know, you're a resident, but and you know, and I, I consider myself a resident of uh, Russell Island too. You and I were both fans of his game, but Trudell is the mayor, if not the president. Oh, it's the emperor. I keep picturing Trudell looking like Tom Hanks in Castaway, like with the long hair and the scraggly Watching beard. Watching Wilson float away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm D'Angelo. Sorry I do more. I'm sorry. <laughs> D'Angelo. You see D'Angelo's head floating off of the ocean. I'm sorry. You still got to get it back on that boat, though. You just got to go. It's going to be tough. Um, but, like, you know, just, I, I'm just happy Trudell's got the twins to I agree. Live. He's, he's got reasons. He needs and the reasons. Zubats. That's true. He's, he's just, Lonzo will look more like the, what the expectation will be. And, and D'Angelo wasn't good at. at getting up and down the floor quickly and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's more of a, a a probing type player and all that. The other thing I like about Lonzo, and it won't really come in handy this year because they don't have the guys to put next to him, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time. No. And, you know, he's he at least at UCLA, he wasn't a pick-and-roll, 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 pick-and-roll kind of guy all the time. Maybe he can do that, maybe he can't. But he's not Chris Paul. Right. He's not that type of point guard. It's part of the reason I think people were excited to see him play next to Russell, because in the half court, Russell could be the pick and roll and you kick to Lonzo, whatever. And obviously we won't see that now. I is I, I like I mean, I'm excited to watch him play for all for all the eye rolling at Lavar and all that. I mean, it, it, if Lonzo is what people say he is, it's gonna be fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun to watch this team move up you move up and down. Um real quick, the other guys they took uh, not so much that we know everything about them, but it gives you an idea, I think a really clear idea of what the Lakers are trying to construct. They took uh, Kyle Kuzma out of Utah, a uh, very tall junior, um, can shoot the ball, gets up and down the floor. No, he's, he's, he's considered he's, like a point forward. Kind of like a Larry Nance kind of. Right. had a high, high rebound rate, high assist rates. Um, they think he can develop into a, a shooter. He's, he's been considered a disappointment as a shooter. He's somebody that has he shot 30%, far, 32% last he's year. Like, con- he's profiled more as an outside shooter than he's actually turned into an outside shooter. He's like shooter. Nikola Mirotic. He's like, <laughs> you think he's good at it, but he's actually not. Right. Um, but Ranyarni. Exactly. Ranyarni. Like, Everybody assumed just because he's from out of town and white. And, and shot like 
seventeen of them a game. Yes. <laughs> they actually went in, but they didn't. Um, so you saw him, but he's he's another way. He's he's a lot like Larry Nance in the sense that yeah, he's not necessarily great at anything, but good at a lot of things. High basketball IQ, great motor. That's what they he's like not. About he's him. not a Larry Nance athlete, but few people are. Right. Um, uh, what's Hart's for? Josh. Like Josh Hart. I saw Jason Hart, but Jason Hart was the other guard who used to play in the league. Uh, uh, out of Villanova, four-year kid. A lot of people thought was a sleeper, uh, but he's another guy who shot the ball very well. Yes, he did. He can, range, he, so he can play next to Lonzo. He can, he defend, can also hand he can the ball. Make plays. He's considered a guy that's a good value pick, and also too like somebody that his ceiling isn't necessarily all that high, but his floor isn't particularly low. Yeah, like he, be, they, people think he's going to be a good player. Like Chad Ford loved him. The the analytics guys love him. Uh, he, Kevin Pelton thought he was a really a top ten guy. Admittedly, not knowing everything about Josh Hart. The way he's been described, and some of this may just be the Villanova connection, it sounded to me like he could turn into a Randy Foy type guy. Great. Which, by the way, Randy Foy had number a nice, 30? Yeah, he had a nice career. Um, so, Josh Hart, and then they go Thomas Bryant in the second round. Another guy I had never heard of. But <laughs> the point is, what is one of the things he does well, he's a stretch five in theory, shot almost 40% from three-point range at Indiana in his sophomore season. So, it's very clear they're trying to put shooting, you know, they have a premium on shooting. They have a premium on guys who can move the ball. They needed guard help after the Russell trade, particularly. They need shooting after the Russell trade, particularly. They bring in uh, Brooke Lopez who will help there. Um, you just, you get the sense of what they're trying to do. They did it last year with, or a couple, you know, a couple years ago with Nance. You can either go kind of shoot the moon boomer bust prospects late in the draft or you can find guys who can fill niches yep. and they went niche and i i, I have no well, problem with that that's at all. you know i mean if you want to take a look at somebody who uh, a team that does that and it works san antonio san yeah. antonio does not draft boomer bust guys late in the draft because they're always uh drafting late in the draft part of the reason they're so successful is they target guys who can do one or two things and they're confident that, it'll translate that, very, to the NBA that, they, level. that they need this and, is what and they, they want and they get that guy um so, this is what the Lakers have. Um, I thought overall it was a very strong draft. I thought night. they did terrific. Actually, people around the league seem to think it was a strong draft. I thought night. they did really, really. Uh, well. I liked that they 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 swapped out that twenty eight. It cost them very little, but they picked up a second round pick. They moved back. They get a guy that I know at least from all the reports of the workouts. They liked Hart a lot. Uh, Kuzma was another guy whose name popped up as as somebody the Lakers liked from all their workouts. So. They seem to get the guys that they wanted. Uh, the Lakers have had a good record with scouting and with drafting in the last few years. So at the very least, in this area, even with the new regime, uh, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. So uh, I thought a, a positive night in that regard. The big news, though, Andy, um, were, were really all centered around trades. Uh, you want to start with the Russell deal? Yeah, sure, why not? So... Um, it finally went official last night. D'Angelo Russell and um, Mozgov. Poor Timothy. <laughs> you know what was the most disconcerting part about that Woj tweet was when he, he announced it, the, the big bomb? He called him Tim. Not Timo. I've seen Timo a lot, but I've never really thought of T, uh, Mozgov as a Tim. Might have Tim been just... called him Tim Mozgov. Okay. As, as the president's lawyers will tell you, 140 characters can be difficult. It is. It's tough. I mean, that, that, <laughs> o, that O is the difference between a Woj bomb and no Woj bomb. 
just, and, and Woj is going to take the bomb. He's just really Americanized at this. He's I'm, just Tim. Call I'm just Tim. saying, you got to choose between a Woj bomb or you know calling him Timo. Right. You're going to call him Tim. They get back Brooke Lopez and the pick that became uh, Kyle Kuzma. Rob Palenka last night talked about why they did it, and he talked about how Brooke Lopez is going to help them next year, which, by the way, he will. Brooke Lopez is a good player. He talked about the ability to get another pick, which eventually allowed them to have four draft picks. But this is really the nut of why they made the deal. In free agency, we'll be very, very strategic. To keep- that is not the nut of why they made that deal. It is this one. We were able to get amazing salary cap relief and space so that in July of 2018, we have the ability to add hopefully two max salary players to our franchise. That's it. I mean, you can talk about it. He talked, he was complimentary of D'Angelo. He called him a special player. He said it wasn't about him being expendable. This is primarily why they did it. But not solely. Not solely. Not solely. I agree with you. Not solely. I mean, you. But I think I don't primarily. care how much cap. Re- I don't care how much cap relief you want. You don't include a player of D'Angelo's potential as the sweetener when you don't need the cap space right away, unless you've determined he's not part of your future. Right. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I am assuming asked for Brandon Ingram the same basic type deal, and if they did, the Lakers said right. But I'm just saying, I mean, you don't include D'Angelo as the sweetener right now when when you're not going to be putting the cap space to use right now anyway. I mean, no, Rob, I agree. Rob Palenka made that very clear. They're not going to be doing any big offseason moves right. uh, we'll, for we'll free agent, which is fine. Yeah, I agree. But it, it speaks to what they thought of D'Angelo. There's no question. They're, right. And I we can get into it. I, I, I am part of what makes me sad about the trade – was that I just felt like the one thing that always got lost in any conversation about D'Angelo was that he actually was playing well. Yeah. And that he was doing things that put him on a trajectory that very few guards of his age were on. And I I always understood the questions about his maturity, which were legit. I I always understood the idea that he wasn't that popular in the locker room. He had a lot of work to do there. I did think that drafting Lonzo Ball actually was an opportunity for a lot of the, that pressure to be relieved. Didn't have to be the Magic Johnson style leader anymore. He didn't have to be the 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 guy in the locker room who commanded everybody's respect and, and ran. He could just kind of be a guy at that point. And if he wasn't the most popular dude, it didn't matter. Uh, I thought it could have been very liberating for him, and I really wanted to see them together. I just in it, it is a talent league. And the one thing that always seemed to get overshadowed was the fact that he was actually playing well. And I felt bad for a kid who, particularly after the Nick Young thing, every single game he played was a referendum on his future. And so I felt like it was unfair, and I, the, the, that's why I think a lot of this just kind of made me sad. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to how polarizing D'Angelo grew you know i think within the front office you know within the fan base you know within the locker room and you know we've we've spoken with enough people to know again like you said brian this stuff is real but it is important to remember you know there was a period where meta world peace would have never been considered somebody that you bring into your team specifically to be a locker room guy yes zach randolph is considered a foundational piece in memphis 
because of his character. Yes. You would not have ever seen that in the beginning of his career. No. There was a time when everybody said, Dirk Nowitzki will always be soft and there's nothing you can do about it. There was a time where people said that about Pau Gasol. There was a period when people said, and for those of you uh, not old enough to remember this, we were around, Michael Jordan is a ball hog and you will never be able to win with him. So like, you know, not just narratives, but literal personalities can change. The other thing that's interesting, though, too, in moving D'Angelo, and this may not matter long term, but it might matter this season, they actually moved the guy who may be the only one that was on the roster, D'Angelo, that's actually capable of making Lonzo better. It's interesting. It's an interesting way of thinking about I mean, it. You're right. Being, no, I think you're probably we right. We talk a lot about how Lonzo can make these other guys better, and I, and I actually think that is true. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo really though, good may point. have been the only guy on this roster capable of making Lonzo better. I was digging for that. That was good. Thank you. Thank um, you so yeah, but I mean, it's he's gone. Um, I wrote about this on on our Facebook page and sent it out. It gets also to to the second part of what concerns me about the deal. I get getting rid of Timothy Mozgov is a BFD, and no question, it was going to take some sacrifice. Somebody was going to have to go, and there's a very good possibility that this trade in some form might have happened in a year. When the need was there more, I think they probably could have done it from a more position of strength with a more valuable Russell and gotten maybe something else back or whatever. What concerned me? There is a school of thought that says if anybody is willing to take Moskov's deal, you do it right. You, you do you it take, right. No, now. again, and again, I, it is a sure. a lot of basketball people, some of whom just don't like Russell that much, love this deal for that reason. They got. Mozgov off the books. I, I've decided and, I neither right. like it or hate it. I mostly just don't like that they sold low on D'Angelo's potential. But I get, I get the thought process. Right. The part that that is is interesting to me, and then jumped out. One of the parts that, that jumped out to me right away is it. And and Rob Polinka talked about this last night, and we'll we'll play a little bit of it here in a second. Trading him for cap space, which is what we heard Polinka say, crystallizes really what the plan is going forward, and the plan is to open up max cap space for a couple guys next year, for Paul George and hopefully one other guy, and bring in elite free agents next summer. That plan sounds strikingly similar to the old plan, which was go get great free agents. Now the new boss, same as the old boss. Exactly. I will say this. It, the Part of the problem with the old plan version of of plan 1.0 was that they were doing it with this horrible infrastructure and uh, a front office that didn't communicate with the business side and a pre-modern front office and all these other things and kobe's presence and kobe's presence which complicated made it, made it difficult plan 2.0 includes a new regime that is very forward thinking that has you know it is is making it clear to everyone in the league and palinka went more evangelical again last night talking about how different it is in LA, um, it's they've done they've gotten the the new strength and conditioning guys. They're going you know modern with analytics. They're having a new facility. They're doing everything is going to be new and better and whatever, and that hopefully will help bring guys in. But Plan Two Point is a, is essentially Plan One except do it better. And I'm always concerned with plans that dip into that kind of Lakers exceptionalism where. If we open up the space, people will come here because they want to play for us. 
it's not enough to be the Lakers. You have to be the Lakers and do it correctly. And as long as they do both of those things, I think it'll be fine. But I'm anytime they even brush with that stuff, it makes me nervous because I don't like Lakers exceptionalism as a strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with, with the Mozgov deal, wh- whether you like it or not, they've sort of painted. I, I don't want to say they box themselves in entirely, but they've kind of put themselves in a place where they need to go this route now and they need it to work pretty quickly by, by next offseason. Yes. Because then otherwise, you ended up selling really low on D'Angelo and his potential. But also, too, you did it in part by moving a contract that would only become easier to move as time went along and you owe Mozgov less money. Yep. So they've kind of put themselves on this path. And whether that means that they need to try to get Paul George now just to try to put one of those pieces in place immediately and leave nothing to chance or whether they just gamble on it happening next offseason, they've, they've put themselves you know, on a road that I don't think they, they, can, they can't reverse it. I, no, I don't think so. This is, this is Palenka talking about why he thinks, because he was asked a question, why is it going to work this time when it didn't work before? There's just a renewed energy around here. We feel it in the offices every day. We felt it through this draft process. I think clearly with Irvin's vision um, and just his persona, I think the organization is really taking on that positive joy that he seems to live with every day. And I think players around the NBA feel that as well and are going to be just attracted to that energy here. It's different than it was before. It's better. It's run better. It's all this. So it's not just we're the Lakers. And and that that is fine. And, and Palinka has been – smart to he's selling not just players he's selling agents he's selling media they they're changing the narrative around the team um but i just i didn't free agency is a terrible way to build a team so you you know if let's lebron doesn't leave all of a sudden westbrook signs the extension on july 1st or whatever 200 million bucks or whatever it is lebron decides to stay you go from paul or, george or and lebron Le- tr- decides to leave but goes somewhere, go somewhere else, else. Now you're like Paul George with LeBron with what you know and you know Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. It's like okay, you got this thing and those pieces kind of fit together and all that. Now all of a sudden, well, okay, we'll just sign Boogie. We'll just you start to do this thing when you when you have this cap space that you have to use where you go get the talent and you do it no matter how it fits together and you end up with this mishmash of players and then often paying a lot of money for guys who are going to be well into their you know, late thirties and past their prime and difficult to move. I, I don't like free agency as a, as a construction tool. And so this isn't, I, this whole thing kind of, yeah, but we'll, we'll see wheels. where it goes. I, I, I don't, it could work. Dis- I don't disagree with Palenka that the atmosphere feels different than it did a few years ago. I, I don't think he's wrong there. It's just like you said, free agency can be a really dicey way to go about building the team. And also, too, you you do wonder, or in my case, worry a little bit, that some of this is just about skipping steps and trying to jump to the front yes. of the line, which, again, is, which Lake, is, again... Lakers exceptionalism. And, you know... More, we, don't ha- we don't have to develop players and do the dirty work there. Right. More often than not, you do end up having to wait your place in line. We'll, we'll see if they can pull it off. Right. Again, it does feel somewhat different. And, you know, the idea that they are already linked to a star in a way that doesn't feel like BS or doesn't feel like an assumption. Yeah, the star said, I want to come here. Right. I mean, it, it, <laughs> Paul George made it pretty but clear. But I'm saying, like, before, 
a lot of the stars that were linked to the Lakers, it was specifically because, or I'd say solely because, they're the Lakers, that guy's a star. Of course he's going to want right. to be a Laker. At least this time with Paul George, there seems to be pretty right. tangible evidence he wants to be here. Right, and so we'll see how that so goes. That's a good start. And also, in fairness, I will say, and this is why part of the reason you, you say maybe they, why they drafted you know eleven more forwards, um, they you have to you do have to eventually make a choice of which guys you want to stick with and pay, and which guys you don't. And it you know Randall maybe somebody else that kind of they just have decided we're gonna we don't want to use the money on him. So we're going to eventually have to move him, so let's figure out how to roll him into something, even though we like him and think he's a good right. player. Um, you do have to make those decisions. I, I I, don't think it's a terrible – it's not like I think the logic behind this deal is terrible. It makes me sad and worried about what might come next. Um, the big trade yesterday, worth a mention here before Ooh. we get to um, free agency and, and, the, and the game. Damn, Minnesota! They absolutely damn. They rolled the Bulls damn. on the Jimmy Butler trade. Absolutely rolled Jimmy Butler Chicago. and the 16th pick for for an injured uh, Zach Levine, Zach Levine. That you have to decide on paying, paying very soon. Yes, who will probably make more money than Jimmy Butler will over the next yep. two years. Uh, Chris Dunn, who was terrible. I know he was a high pick, lottery pick, all that stuff. He was terrible last year. Terrible. Uh, he wasn't as good as Tyus Jones. Who barely, you know, you played ended up playing better behind Ricky Rubio, and uh, the seven pick. Are you kidding me? I, the part that blew my mind was that Minnesota got a pick. Back. They got the pick, but they got the that, sixteen back. That was unbelievable to me. The gap between seven and sixteen is not worth Jimmy Butler, Zach, you know, the the, the Zach Levine and I was Chris unbelievable. Dunn. So, Unbelievable deal for Minnesota, who, I mean, unless, unless either things go very wrong with health or Tom Thibodeau is exposed as a fraud, they're a playoff team. They are absolutely they went, and, the, and they went from So it's another team now that j- kind of jumps up in, in the Western Conference that, you know, the Lakers, again, not directly competing with a lot of these teams, but, you know, they're chasing the teams that are chasing the teams. And Minnesota is now a fully realized thing. Utah, if they can keep Gordon Hayward – Still on there's there's stuff going on here. Denver is trying real hard to make themselves a viable team around Nikola Jokic. So you know these teams that are kind of coming up in the West, and in the meantime too, with with Jimmy Butler now you know off the board, he was one of two names of note, him and Paul George, that might potentially move. You wonder if Paul George being the one guy, you know, maybe prompts Boston just to say screw it, yeah, let. I got to tell you, if I'm Boston, I take my chances. You have a zillion assets right now. You got to can't le- use them all. You can't use them all, but also too, you at some point, if all you're doing is just collecting these assets and you're not willing to cash them out on a guy like Paul George when you are a one seed in the East, I mean, you just become a hoarder. You just well, become some the- woman living on a mattress in Kentucky <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, with right. like with like. You know, Time magazines from 1981. You're gonna, stacked you're up gonna, you. Sunday, you, they're gonna find Jalen Brown underneath like a bunch of yeah, plastic I mean, bottles you have in a, the corner you have of the a kitchen. Fire hazard yes. worth of right. assets. Um, it's, it, at some right. point, you've got to cash them. You take your chances. But there's this is and this or is what Porzingis. But this is what's other. threatening to the Lakers is like there's the the report today that you know, the the one of the things that they may end up doing is figuring out a way to make that deal with the extension for George already set. 
and then they give more stuff to to um, to Indiana. The process there is a threat that the Lakers, if they wait, won't end up getting George, and George might be off. The, the other reason to do it if I'm Boston is with all the chaos going around in Cleveland, Cleveland. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. I mean, Cleveland at some point is going to get bounced before the finals. And this might be the year it happens if LeBron's unhappy, the team somebody is chaotic, hurt, something. somebody, whatever. I mean, Boston could, they could be in the position to at the very least get to the finals. And I don't care how much Paul George wants to be a Laker. If you get to the finals, walking away from that in an East that you might own. Right. Walking to, away from that, the money it's another, it is right. another 30 something million right. bucks to, or 40 million bucks. To join a team that just won like 33 games. Right. Paul George may still do it, but you can't tell me that that doesn't become a decision. And that's this is what and, and it's the 33 games part that makes me you know that's the trick part if you give up the assets to give them, now you have less stuff to attract people um but you might lose. so the, the Lakers I think are still in a position where they have to try to keep everything they possibly can having sacrificed D'Angelo to create the room to get somebody like George to give up more stuff, well, I'd trade Jordan Clarkson in a heartbeat if that's all it took. But I'm not sure if I'm Indiana. I'd rather have the. I think I'd rather have the cap space. To be honest, uh, you know, you can have the debate. But I, the Lakers are in that weird spot where, you know, you make one sacrifice, but you got to be careful about making too many. Um, real quick before we get to the game, if you are the the Christmas game, if you are at all curious about what the Lakers plan on doing this summer, uh, Rob Palinka answer that question for you in free agency will be very very strategic to keep the cap space in july 2018 we're going to be very sacred about that that we worked hard to get in that position yeah we traded d'angelo russell <laughs> we, you know that was a hard thing to do and do not expect a mid-level except the, the roster's got some holes in it right now it's going to be filled with guys with one-year contracts and one-year options yep if they sign a two-year contract this summer without moving other money around, I would be absolutely floored. And by the way, too, it's actually the right decision. Absolutely. I mean, this, team, this team right now is not built for a major free agent acquisition. Right. I mean, with the possible exception of if Gordon Hayward says, I want to be a Laker, then, yeah, do it and figure it out from there. Right. Well, sure. If you can. But I said with the exception right. of sure. somebody like that that is a, you know, a, a true all-star, you know, all-NBA caliber type player, yeah, figure it out on the fly. For anybody else, no. Right. I mean, the people I know hit us up on Twitter. Cam Brothers is like, wait a minute, but now without D'Angelo, they got they kind of have a hole of two. Maybe Hart plays it. Maybe Ingram. The that the answer who to the who the number two is who plays the two is a shrug emoji, and it doesn't matter. Right. Um. So we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um. Could be Zubots. Right. And we'll keep an eye on the whole Paul George. Yeah, it <laughs> that'd be fun. Uh, anything else on the the draft or or what we saw last night that you want to get to before we get to the really important stuff? Uh, sh- I guess just shout out to Alonzo uh, Ball, his draft outfit. He reminded me a lot of uh, Alonzo, Denzel Washington's character in Training Day. Like just the all black and then the one chain out front. I, I thought it was a pretty cool look. There you go. I like that. Kind of gangsta. It was kind of. Yeah. Don't ever say that again. It doesn't sound very gangsta when <laughs> I say it. Don't that way, does ever it? say that again. Yeah. I am not street. <laughs> never been street, never will be street. Not even allowed on on any streets. And with that, let's introduce the game. All right, the Hallmark <laughs> Christmas game. Just much proving, more proving my your point. Much more my style. Uh, 
For those who uh, remember this the last time we played, Brian is a big fan of Hallmark Christmas Particularly movies. my wife. My wife is really a big fan, and of course, you know, this is what we do as a family. You, by the way, too, it'd be great. You and Michael Thompson, you guys should do this with the Thompson family. That would be a lot of fun. It would be. That would be a lot of fun. He will never invite Me you over to do and that. Kelly and Julie and Clay and Trace, <laughs> never Ben and Ethan. But anyway, uh, we played this game before. Um, as many people know, the title of a Hallmark Christmas movie often provides a gigantic hint about the plot of said Hallmark yes. Christmas movie. Hallmark just released... Pretty even, sure they come up with the plot based on thinking of titles. Hallmark uh, just released even more of their upcoming Christmas movies, so we're going to play this game again. I give Brian the title of the movie. Brian tries to guess the plot of the movie. All right. So we're going to do this for a few more. How hard are these? Because sometimes they're easy, sometimes they're hard. Mm, pretty hard. Some of, some of them aren't easy. Good. Okay. And uh, if any of these happen to be ones from before, just tell I'll try me. to remember, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll play a few the movies. The only one I remember... Totally is, is Christmas for joy. Right. Kiss for the New Year. Kiss for the New Year. Well, this is very clearly um, uh, a movie about a, I'm going to say, a young woman who is, finds herself broken up. I'm going to say broken up with her, uh, her boyfriend and is really looking for companionship, somebody to be with around the New Year. She wants to have that New Year's kiss. Uh, but Andy, it's not gonna, it can't just be any New Year's kiss. It has to be something that's helped with a little bit of um, a little fairy dust, a little something from a kind of a, a fairy godmother type. Like somebody's going to have to guide her to her person. Um, I suspect Andy, and the the woman's name is not Kiss. Let's let's be clear about that. But I suspect it's somebody who is around her and she doesn't realize it. Um, that is her destined New Year's kiss, and she doesn't know. And she's going to need a little help to, to to learn that the person that she's meant to be with has been around her all the time. Pretty close. Yeah. You're actually pretty <laughs> close. A kiss for the New Year. The first kiss of the New Year is special. I'm reading from the, the log line of the movie. It's supposed to signify the special person with whom we'll spend the next year and possibly forever. So it's not wise to squander those affections. When everyone else just puckers up to the nearest set of lips, sluts, <laughs> Robin has always kept her wits and her mouth to herself. An established photographer at the Lifestyle website, she's assigned to work on a New Year's Eve story with a new hire, Todd. When she confides in Todd, Todd that she's <laughs> the most milk. Is there a more milk toast name in, in the world than Todd? <laughs> Shout out to our really good friend Todd. I think Todd would agree. Todd anyway. is the most milk toast name of all time. Um, when he when she confides in Todd that she's never kissed Todd. anyone on as the clock strikes midnight, he sets out to correct this by finding someone for Robin to kiss at the magic hour. His theory is a kiss is just a kiss, and she should enjoy the moment. Ultimately, they are both right. Todd finds a man for her to smooch, and Robin does find the right man. And guess who fits the bill? I bet it's Todd. I bet it's Todd, too. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. I bet, no, too I, bad. I said pretty you, good. you were pretty, pretty good. good. That All was right. pretty good. Snow Globe Wishes. Oh, man. Um, what I think is going on here in Snow Globe Wishes is a 
a a woman. It's always a woman. <laughs> a woman who has. I'm not saying the Hallmark Channel is sexist, <laughs> but it's always a woman. You know your demo. Um, it's always she a has woman. an expansive snow go snow globe collection, and each in each one of those obviously is its own scene, its own place, and whatever. And she has the ability to kind of enter these worlds of these snow globes in different ways. Like, you know, she can kind of go from this one with this kind of scene to this one with this kind of scene. And what, what is happening here is she is looking for, obviously looking for love um, and finds it as she travels kind of through the different worlds of the snow globes that she has in her collection. It allows, uh, allows her to kind of realize what's important around the holidays and find love in that regard. It's close, except nowhere near. Oh, man. Snow globe wishes. Snow globes can have a magical, mesmerizing sway over those who concentrate on them. No one knows this better than the residents of Evergreen, Vermont. Really? <laughs> Evergreen, Vermont. In this is that, wait, is that really a thing where people are, are so hypnotized by their snow globes that they, that they can't function, apparently? In Evergreen, Vermont. <laughs> In this bucolic burg, where families have lived for generations and take care of each other, there is a belief that if you wish upon the snow globe at the local cafe, that wish will come true. Well, the only no, catch... There's no way I could get The there. only catch is that the wish must be completely sincere. When the town veterinarian wishes that, <laughs> wishes that this will be her most romantic Christmas ever, she figures it will happen with her longtime beau. I mean, what else is the assumption? Stranded, <laughs> stranded in the airport, she befriends a businessman and his daughter who had made their own wish on the snow globe. The magical Christmas they share turns out to be more than anyone wished for. That's it is a little tough because that really has nothing to do with snow globes. Other it has than, everything to do with snow globes. They How just, dare you? They this only all they do in, is stare at the snow globe. This only happens in Evergreen, Vermont, Brian. <laughs> That is dumb. Even by Hallmark standards, that's dumb. And I don't like it because it's really not about snow globes. This, the Christmas Cottage. Oh, the Christmas Cottage. I'll give you a little hint. All right. This is for Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Oh. Now, I wonder if it's one of those ones that, like, God, what's her name from that from the show? Mm. Um, with uh, what was the one that had Kimmy, Gilb- Kimmy Gibbler in it. I don't know. Um she stars as one of these Hallmark mystery people. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly we're solving some sort of mystery. I, I'm not saying that that's the case here. I'm just saying this one happens to be Hallmark movies and mysteries. All right. So, I mean, look, they may have just needed the slot. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas Cottage. This is tough. That does not give much away other than the holidays. Um, I Here's what I think is happening here. Okay. There's a uh, woman... <laughs> Yeah. Spoiler alert, you got that part right. <laughs> so it's a woman who is a she's an amateur gumshoe. She's not it's not what she does by trade. I, I'm guessing she is a uh a writer at the local paper. Oftentimes that's how these people end up in this sort of situation. She discovers a <laughs> Hallmark movies are the only place where the newspaper industry isn't dying. <laughs> that's right. Particularly like the the hyper local, you know, community paper. Yeah. They're all thriving. Booming. <laughs> well, this works. <laughs> Christmas cottage where, where everyone goes after they're laid off. Yeah. <laughs> everyone in the media industry. 
Um, so anyway, she discovers a a legend about or a, a something. She discovers uh, something in her family that happened. You know, it was a grandmother, a grandfather, something about how uh, they met or some family secret that. She starts digging and starts digging and digging a little bit using that amateur gumshoe status. And she it all links back to this one moment in the holidays at the cottage where they used to go a uh, long time ago, or great-grandmother, whatever it might be. And to save her own family this holiday season, Andy, she has to go discover what that secret was so that they, she can rekindle the love of her family and affection and bring it back. Uh, for to save a modern Christmas by going to the Christmas cottage where her grandmother used to go, uh, and I can tell by your face, I'm not well, I'm not winning this one. Way the hell off! But again, this one does. I need Christmas for joy. Bring me back Christmas for joy. The Christmas cottage. Still only in her mid twenties, Lacey Quinn has already given up on love. Her heart's been broken too many times. It's also set in in eighteen twenty one when she would have been a spinster. And now she concentrates on her career as an interior designer in Raleigh, North Carolina, also a, a general region where a lot of these movies take place. When BFF Ava Callahan asks Lacey, "I just want a job naming characters." <laughs> movies that would be fantastic disappointed she doesn't work for the local paper when bff ava callahan she surely she certainly reads it asks Lacey to be her maid of honor she must take on a few responsibilities including making sure the callahan family cottage is perfect for the honeymoon legend has it that if newlyweds spend their first night there everlasting love and happiness follow Lacey isn't sure she buys into that notion. Lest well, we she's forget. given up on love. Exactly. <laughs> still, that is tragic. Still, she finds herself snowed in there with Charlie, uh, Ava's brother. Uh oh. Lacey has to reconsider if the little house may hold some romantic magic at all, especially at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I bet it does. My guess is they go from magic of a sexual nature. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not that you'll see that, but it's implied. It turns into a Christmas sex cottage. <laughs> different, different film. Christmas for keeps, and I will give you two hints here. Okay. Hallmark Mysteries, again. All right. Movies and Mysteries, which may or may These not have been mean anything. very hard. Which may or may These not have been mean anything. very hard. But here is okay. another hint. Actually starts off from a man's point of view. Oh. <sighs> Christmas for keeps. A man's point of view. Mm-hmm. Christmas for keeps. A man's <laughs> point of view. I think what's going on in Christmas for keeps, um, it's about a bitter custody battle. Um, actually, might be. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something like that where you're... Where, where, uh, let's see, we've gone through Charlie and Todd, um, Nick. <laughs> the, the character's name must be Nick. Uh, Nick is a, a guy who is, uh, broken. I can say broken up with his, with his girlfriend. And, oh, geez, I'm getting nothing here. I don't know, Andy. I got nothing for Christmas. You got nothing. I, you know what? Nick broke up with his girlfriend, and 
around the holiday time, they think it's all I can come up with is these sort of depressing scenarios where they're dividing up all their Maybe stuff. Maybe it's depressing. It's not depressing. Where they, well, no, it may well, be depressing. Right, where all where they divide up all their stuff and they're trying to figure out what uh, what they have to give. You know, who gets what and this and that and the other. Hopefully, there are no children involved. And then what they discover in the end is that they really don't want to divide up all their things and figure out who gets to keep what. It's um, it's it, it's that they really want to join everything back together. Except I don't get where the mystery part comes in here. So I'm a little stumped, and I don't think I'm winning. Okay, well. You're off, but you do have sort of a general idea about what four keeps would involve. Christmas for keeps. Buck Thompson always knew. <laughs> Buck Thompson always knew that land mattered. And at 25, he bought his first piece of Georgia, his keeper property. Over the next six decades. <laughs> As opposed to his concubine. <laughs> Over the next six decades. Which he paid for in installments. <laughs> Over the next six decades, Buck assembled quite a bit of acreage, but now he's gone. Shout out to Buck. And Luke, the grandson of the man who first loaned him the money, is demanding payment in full. No one in the Thompson family has that type of cash. Buck's granddaughter, Avery, who grew up on the family land, will return soon from New York City to sort out this mess. A successful lawyer and music manager, Avery launched her own business with a childhood friend who's a country superstar. The legal battle is even more complicated than Avery expected. Her opposition is a man whose heart she once broke. Just as all seems lost, Avery's friend calls in some favors from some country music friends. A concert is staged, money is raised, and lessons are learned about how roots run deep and hearts can be mended. Buck Thompson, Brian. (laughs) Probably played... In a cameo by, like, some C-list octogenarian. Oh, I love this game so much. I can't wait until next Christmas. Um, and do we have any more? Oh, yes. Oh, we one do. Final okay. One, one right. final one. Secret Santa. I love that we've spent more time on this than we did free agency. <laughs> well, I mean, Rob Palinka already said they're not going to be playing. <laughs> we did anything. Done. We finished it in 10 seconds. Uh, Secret Santa. Well, the obvious thing here uh, would be is... You know, you, you everybody has a Secret Santa office sure. thing or whatever. and We have one here? We do. Um, and what you end up, hap- you know, and so what you end up having is a situation where somebody uses their Secret Santa as a way to woo somebody at the office that they really want. Um, and they don't realize, you know, I, I suspect it, Jane, there's a, a mistaken identity where she thinks her Secret Santa is... You know, Dave from at the end of the office, but it's actually Tim from the other end of the office who is like the sweet. You mean Todd? (laughs) No, we can't use Todd, but Todd's already been used. Uh, You know, like because she's always had her her eye on the slightly more dangerous Dave, uh, who you know dresses a little fancier. He's got a little better car and all that. But in kind of a Cyrano type thing, uh, it's actually the the guy at the other end of the office, her friend, who. Uh, believes, you know, who's really the the best match for her, really gets her. But, you know, she tries to use the Secret Santa process as a way to maybe get herself in and make some inroads with Dave. Uh, But meanwhile, Tim turns the tables and actually uses Secret Santa to uh, get Jane to fall in love with him. All right, you're closing out on a strong note. That's pretty close. Really? That's actually pretty close. Secret Santa. Just how does an office secret how just how secret does an office secret Santa have to be? 
In Melanie's case, she finds it just a little too covert. The assignments were distributed for Secret Santa, and Melanie is a little worried but very excited that she was given her crush, Donovan. <laughs> she comes up with thoughtful gifts and spot-on notes. Donovan is so taken by it's his It's even a D name. Like, I, I, I mean, saying, it's not Dave, were, but no, it's you Donovan. Were That's pretty I'm good. Serious, you were close. Donovan is so taken by his secret Santa, he starts to fall in love. My God, Donovan, get it together. <laughs> Only someone else is stealing Melanie's credit, pretending to be his secret Santa. Now Melanie must work to prove to Donovan she is the right one as far as Santas and girlfriends go. So basically all I did was get it backwards instead yeah. of a guy. It's actually a, a girl. No, that was right. That, like I, said, so that I was got really... the basic idea. I just had the sexes. No, wrong. that was really good. I, you, I'm, you really closed ex- out I'm, I'm excited to close out on a there strong There you go. Um, all right. Well, the important thing is... I mean, look, the Lakers drafted Lonzo Ball, and they got a couple other guys. They, they had, had a great good, draft. They had a very good draft. But uh, more importantly, I finished the Christmas <laughs> Hallmark game on a very strong <laughs> note because the Christmas cottage was very hard, and I was deeply, deeply discouraged by my inability to play. And how did Michael – did Michael get any of these? Michael or? did reasonably well. Yeah, I'm this not is, surprised. This is Michael's wheelhouse. It is. Um, <laughs> it's like name that gun smoke. He was um, very – it takes a lot – on a day like this where Michael was so excited about Lonzo Ball to bring up any topic that made him just as excited to talk about, I nailed it. No, I good. absolutely nailed it. I think you made him happy. I did make him happy. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So that's that's it. That's today. And we'll be back with more stuff. Uh, free agency, July 1st, man. Yeah. It's right around the corner. Again, nothing's going to happen with the Lakers, but a lot of other interesting things could happen that could impact the Lakers. Uh, still a lot of trade possibilities, still a lot of exciting stuff. The Summer League is going to be fun to watch this yes, year. Yes, it will, man. With uh, Alonzo and all the new guys and Zubats and, and all and that Ingram. stuff. And Ingram will play. Um, and uh, assuming Trudell comes back, he'll probably be out in Vegas. He might be wherever the Brooklyn Nets play. <laughs> He's um, in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, D'Angelo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, we'll see everybody next time.